Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm senior editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm reviews editor Sherlyn Lowe. And this week... Our country's on fire, which seems typical, but specifically, we want to talk about the Iowa caucus and everything that went down there for the Iowa Democrats. Uh, they relied on a new app. It was untested and it kind of blew up in their face. It's now Thursday morning and we still don't have the final results from that caucus. And that is just uh, really gives me faith in our democratic institutions right now. So we'll be diving into that and the whole technical aspects around it. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Drop us an email at podcast at Engadget.com and uh, leave a review because that's always helpful. So what happened in Iowa? This is a third straight cycle. We've seen challenges in Iowa, questions about Iowa. Do we know when we're going to get the results? They say they're going to announce them. Later Have today. they lost yeah. them? What's going on? Well, yeah. yeah. Does wow. anybody know? Anybody know what like, well, actually the happened? Exist? Well, we've got Vaughn Hilliard. It's a weird thing Vaughn where Hilliard. supporters for specific candidates gather in basically polling locations, stand in specific spots, and just show support. And they try to call over people from other uh, candidates. They, it's a real dog and pony show. It kind of is the exact opposite of the way voting normally works in America, where you get a ballot and you go to a private booth and you kind of check things off and that's it. That's the way Republicans handle it. And that's how it was handled in Iowa for them. Normally, this process is something that happens ahead of every election. And, uh, you know, the caucuses are important because it kind of shows who is getting momentum for every election. I believe for the last few, the candidates who come out on top, like Obama or George W. Bush, uh, they tend to be the ones who survive through the election and have a good shot at becoming the next president. So the crux of the problem this week for the Iowa Democrats is that they relied on a new app by a company called Shadow. It's called the Iowa Reporter app. And this thing just did not work the way it was supposed to. So this was supposed to be a way for uh, party officials to quickly input the data of the people who are actually caucusing and what the numbers are. It was a way for them to send it back to party headquarters easily without having a phone call or doing any other manual method. And it basically completely failed. The IDP issued a statement Monday morning saying that the app... Uh, the app that was intended to relay caucus results to the party failed. The party's backup telephonic reporting system likewise has failed. Now we understand that caucus chairs are attempting to, and in many cases, failing to report results telephonically to the party. We heard reports uh, on Monday 
that workers weren't able to install the app properly. They didn't actually know how to use it if they did actually install it. And they also had trouble plugging in data and actually figuring out what was going on with the app. And the IDP issued a statement on Tuesday morning saying that they were aware of issues with the app. Uh, They said that the data collected by the app was actually fine. But when it came to actually going back and looking at that data, so what they call reporting that data, there was a lot of like missing information. It basically didn't look like that they actually had the data. So that was all very confusing. Because the app couldn't actually report data properly, um, it just meant that the officials couldn't quite trust it. So as of Tuesday and Monday night, they started hand tracking the paper ballots. This should actually be an easier process than a conventional election. And everybody who was in those individual caucuses knows what the result was. This is entirely doable. It's frankly the third. This was a really weird caucus, too, because they're reporting three sets of data rather than just the, you know, the total number of delegates people got at the end. Because of what happened with Bernie Sanders in the 2016 election, the Democrats basically jotted down info for like the first set of people who caucused for a particular candidate, a recount, a second set of people, and then the final number. Not only were party officials using a brand new app that they had never really seen before, they were also plugging in a lot more data than they were used to. That all kind of led to a cluster mess of some sort. Um, yeah, it's uh, Sherlyn, this whole process, from your perspective, somebody who grew up outside of America, does this make sense? Does this seem like the way a functioning democracy should work? Nope. Um, <laughs> I, listen, I'm I'm one to talk because Singapore is not the shiny beacon of an example of what a democratic country should be. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go too much into that. We have the benefit of being very small. And so our government has, you know, when it comes to implementing infrastructure, it's a lot easier. I will say, though, it strikes me as a little bit funny that it feels as if the Iowa caucus had at least four years to think about this. They had time to test this app. They had time to like figure something out. And I know that people are busy, but this feels like it should be a priority it is basically kind of a crap show, right? Because uh, here, here's a lot of the reporting we got after Monday. Shadow, the company that developed this app, was also funded by Acronym, which is a political outfit uh, funded by former Clinton 2016 alums. Uh, the whole goal of Acronym is to pursue digital progressive projects. And Shadow is just one company kind of doing that. As soon as this whole story broke and as soon as like the app uh, looked like it was completely failing, Acronym issued a release uh, very much distancing themselves from Shadow. Like Shadow was listed as one of their clients on their website. But after the story, they kind of even removed that. And Acronym says that, yeah, they basically just helped fund Shadow when uh, it was a previous company and it was on the verge of being bankrupt. Acronym just kind of saved them from the brink of death. We don't quite know what their actual relationships are. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on, too, because uh, apparently the Buttigieg campaign and the Biden campaign and Amy Klobuchar's campaign have all tapped Shadow for various technologies, too. So I believe, like, the Buttigieg folks were using them for social media or texting. There, There's a lot of weird stuff going on, too. And then, like... I mean, two yeah. things here. One, those two are just terrible names, first of all. It all sounds a little familiar, you know, like, it sounds like what we talked about last week with the whole, like... Peter Thiel distancing himself from Clearview uh-huh. AI acronym, trying to put a little space between them and Shadow. Yeah, if you're building a shadowy political ent- entity, 
you know, literally don't call your outfit shadow. Like don't yeah. don't like you're you're making the jokes for us and that makes it harder to make fun of you when things go wrong. Acronym also sounds, by the way, like um Alphabet. Like alphabet, but I don't know, like some sort of weird James Bond <laughs> type villain too. Like there, there's a lot of yeah. stuff going on here. Shadow also sounds like that. I'm just looking on Twitter. Uh, you got a caucus secretary from a precinct who's just been. He says he's been on hold for an hour. He's just going to tweet out. He's just starting to tweet he's out. He's been on hold for an hour with for an the hour with Democratic with, Party. With the Democratic Party, he can't get a response. So they're just starting to tweet out the results. He says, "I am the caucus secretary for Story County Precinct One One. I've been on hold for over an hour to report the results. We have six delegates." And he just reports out his first alignment and the delegacy. I don't know. The app was developed by Shadow, but Shadow finished the app about two months ago. The Shadow says they tested it, but there was no independent testing. Uh, the Democratic Party also wanted to keep Shadow's name like private, so people wouldn't know uh, who actually developed this thing. They said that was for security reasons, what but every it? cybersecurity expert is like, dude, if you're if you're just hiding, you know, information, that's not going to make anything secure. The way to make things secure is by uh, beefing getting up your information. Well, also letting people know what's out. So it's yeah. transparency. It's letting independent contractors test these things. Uh, there was a lot of reporting, like once the app was actually unearthed, uh, motherboard uh, over at Vice, uh, you know, had security mm-hmm. experts deconstruct the app. It turns out that it was, uh, it's not a very like complex it's not sophisticated, thing. No. But it looks like Shadow just kind of rushed it out. According to Motherboard, the app was also built on top of React Native, which is an open source development tool uh, released by Facebook, of all companies that can quickly make Android and iOS apps. One research analyst, uh, Kazra Rajjerdi, says that uh, the app is also seems like a very, very off-the-shelf skeleton project, plus add-your-own-code kind of thing. Basically, it looks like something that maybe a, you know, a first time programmer would be making early on, or at least somebody without much experience. So that's not great. Or or, uh, per- or someone that started, didn't want to start from scratch with something like that. Someone who was taking a bit of a shortcut at the very mm-hmm. least, right? And- I mean, everybody, everybody uses these tools, but the key is like what you add on top right. of it. Yeah. So it's sort of like, you know, the difference between like hard coding HTML versus like starting in like, you know, a WYSIWYG editor or something like they, they just it's it's easy to start with these frameworks, but you're supposed to add a lot of your own stuff on top of it. It doesn't sound like they did that. ProPublica, which also analyzed the app, said uh, it basically could have been easily hacked because there weren't as many security protections in it as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a mess. And honestly, this is a mess from every side of it. So it's not just the app itself was kind of rushed and not really well made. The Iowa Democratic Party also didn't do a great job, it seems, of actually getting it out there to their workers and to their field people. So um, it sounds like that the app was so rushed that it wasn't even something that could actually hit the App Store or Android, you know, the Google Play Store. Uh, So iPhone users had to go through a wonky process of tweaking their security settings uh, to actually get it installed. That's something I have to deal with when I'm testing out early apps. It's sort of like, uh, that's what test flight is. Uh, Which I hate, but it by is, the way. It's not great, but mm-hmm. I understand why, because you can't just put unreleased apps in the store. Uh, I cannot expect, like, maybe potentially older poll workers to understand this thing and get it on their system. And also logging in required two-factor authentication and all sorts of stuff, too, so... It sounds like there wasn't that much training, and yeah, it just sounds like they weren't fully prepared for it. A lot of people just, uh, according to a lot of you know reporting across the New York Times and elsewhere, 
a lot of workers just said they're just going to phone in this data as they normally do rather than even deal with the app because it just seems like that would be the easiest solution. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Even that failed because uh, <laughs> the phone lines ended up being jammed when people started reporting the data uh, on Monday night. And uh, there was even more reporting, uh, according to the New York Times, that um, apparently the IDP says that Trump supporters also grabbed that source phone number for reporting data and were calling it throughout Monday night. So sort of like jamming the phone lines in a way, which almost feels like election interference, like it's literally election interference. Um, But that also made it hard for people to report the data. So that is why, as of Thursday, we've got nothing. We've, we've got very little, or at least nothing full. Like, we don't have all the data reported in. To me, it just feels like a complete failure of our democracy on every level. You know, it, it seems like after 2016, we should at least figure out ways to get our tools made earlier, made in time, prepared better. Uh, any thoughts, Sherlyn? I mean, I think what you just said, right? Like, mm-hmm. you said it's after 2016. After everything that happened in the yeah. past four years, to not be better prepared is kind of appalling. Um, it also just speaks to everything that I I felt like I was rudely presented with when I first moved to America, which was mm-hmm. that a lot of parts of the infrastructure are aging and just not at all keeping pace with more... Uh, advanced parts of the world and america likes to think of itself as pretty advanced and it is in many ways but when it comes to technology infrastructure it's quite problematic i mean like i'm not sure how every other country does it i think it's for most countries it is you show up in person you fill out this ballot you put it in a box people manually count it and then at some point the reporting i don't think it relies on a phone but i'm not what there there are a lot i mean i think every other country has the benefit of being smaller so there there are a lot of european countries where they have online voting now yes and it's secure enough for them because they're they're not you know super huge targets um so the problem for america is basically we're so big we're so spread out every state kind of has different different rules uh the whole caucus thing uh, uh you know if you don't know how the caucus thing works uh I don't know if you should be blamed because it's only something that happens in a few states like Iowa, Nevada, um, everywhere else does normal polling. Like the the next big thing is the New Hampshire primary. That's that's just going to be normal polling. So that, you know, it, it's kind of a mess because even our process of doing a lot of this stuff is kind of spread out and varies from place to place. I mean, the caucus thing just sounds to me like y'all gathered in a barn or like a school gym and decided to ballroom dance. But like... <laughs> With a political badge on your sleeve or something. That's basically it. You were dancing with your candidate. Yeah. It is. It's the hoedown. I mean, we we looked at some of the quotes from other uh, people when looking into this story. And I think there's a funny one from Tim Alberta, who's the chief political correspondent at Politico. He starts with, Iowa is charming and everything. But let's all admit that if we saw this sloppy, chaotic, slapdash voting system employed in another country, we call for UN election monitoring. He's not wrong. And yeah, I feel pretty like, much. Yeah, I feel like if, if, I mean, the countries that we call out, like maybe Europe, maybe Russia, maybe like Singapore even, I'm sure the American media would have a field day just like covering this in the most hilarious way. It's not just the tech, though. Like, clearly this was a failure from a lot of sides. We've heard from a lot of officers for the Democrats in Iowa that, you know, they were trying to report their data. They were trying to call 
They were trying to text. They were trying to email people. Mm-hmm. And the people they're supposed to, um, that's supposed to be receiving this data, party officials, were either unavailable or, like, dealing with other fires. So, like, there was one story I saw, I believe, in the New York Times where, you know, somebody was just trying to get their data out. An official drove, like, two and a half hours from headquarters to go to their house to pick up the actual paper data and drive it back because that was the only system that would work because it's 2020 in America, you got to drive to figure out the election. So I I will say this does not bode well for the, you know, the election at the end of the year. Uh, We'll see what happens for the rest of the primaries and the upcoming caucuses. Nevada said it was actually going to be using the shadow app as well. And then as soon as this, uh, you know, crap hit the fan, they immediately were like, no, I have been on hold for over an hour um, with the Iowa Democratic Party. Uh, They tried to, I think, promote an app uh, to report the results. The app, by all accounts, just, like, doesn't work. So we've been recommended to call into the hotline, and the hotline has not been responsive. Now, it may seem a little strange for us to spend so much time talking about this one election in Iowa. When you think of tech... You think of something that is supposed to make your lives easier. It's it, In Iowa, it was supposed to make reporting the data easier, but it just led to a ton of frustration. And I think it's a very big wake-up call to the fact that you can't just deploy these tools and assume that they'll magically work and that they'll magically you know, make things easier uh, for all these processes. It's a tool like any other. It kind of has to be planned and implemented in a way that people can actually use. Uh, I I think the big problem with this whole situation is like a complete lack of user support. They kind of rushed this app. They didn't really support the people who were supposed to be using it or explain what was up. They didn't help them install it. Like this seemed like a situation where, okay, if somebody's having trouble just getting this on their phone, just get them a cheap Android device or something. Give them like a synced, secure device. Let them use that for the election and, you know, they can hand it back when they're done or something. There are ways around these issues that they just didn't think about. And it's astounding to me because, yeah, I come from an IT background. I would never deploy anything without testing it heavily and putting a few users in there and seeing what they thought about it. The other thing that stood out to me also is the, the idea of security. Um, uh-huh. The idea that like hiding names and maybe not throwing things live earlier to get more testing feedback in is because they don't want people to maybe know what the source is and therefore go look for ways mm-hmm. to exploit it. And I think that that's outdated, uh, an outdated way of thinking. And no, now like you need to know good security doesn't just mean that good security means you test everything. Yeah. And and make sure you have an airtight system, which you never are going to have a 100% secure system, but you can get close or you can at least best. have something. Yeah. Tested. And I think a bigger problem for me, too, is like, you know, this is supposed to be an app built by supposed tech experts, like people who are trying to build technology tools uh, for politicians who don't who aren't as up to date. And we just need better tools and Mm -hmm. we need people to do a better job of testing them uh it's not just tech tech is clearly not going to save us especially when you don't devote the time to building up the support for Mm -hmm. that tech
Well, let's take it back to a world I'm more familiar with, which is the rest of the world,、uh, and we're all conglomerating <laughs> <And> viruses. <laughs> and viruses. Yeah, you're very familiar with that. <laughs> Actually, I'm way too familiar with viruses, as Devinder well knows. Trillin is sick again, so we're、uh, now recording from separate parts of the city, so she doesn't infect. So、us. that I don't infect the world.、Uh, I am down with a virus that, just so you know, would not have helped even if I had taken the flu shot. Just so you know. <laughs> Okay. Anyway,、um, we're about to talk. We're about to like get ready and pack up and go to Mobile World Congress at the end of the month. But we're hearing that companies that were meant to have major keynotes at the show are dropping like flies, like coronavirus、mm-hmm. infected flies. <sighs> And、uh, LG was the biggest name to have been announced so far. But we also heard、um, that ZTE is. You know, calling off its keynote at MWC,、uh, and also I heard from some、uh, friends in the media, although I haven't gotten official word myself yet, that Xiaomi, which is a Chinese filmmaker, if you don't know,、um, are might be also pulling out. So、yeah. uh, the, the joke, by the way, that Xiaomi is very good at copying other companies. So you know, so... yeah, they, they're just copying what all their friends are doing, <laughs> basically. Maybe,、uh, who knows? But I mean, to be to be fair, ZTE is still going to be at the show doing I don't know briefings、yeah. and talking to people. LG straight up was like, "Nah, we're good." And、uh, <laughs> the 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 thing now is that like as someone who's braving more sickness to go to the show, it does seem like it might be a very chill show. I might、mm-hmm. not have to work super hard, but maybe we just go and eat tapas all day.、Um, it will be fun. But I I don't know if like this is. I don't know how how scared do you think I should be, Dev, I mean, of listen, catching listen, something. This thing, this thing is basically at near pandemic levels. Like、yeah. there are over twenty eight thousand corona, there are over twenty eight thousand coronavirus cases. Over five hundred and fifty people have died from this.、Mm-hmm. The flu is still like I think a much larger killer and、yeah. a much like you know broader issue that for us. But I think what's scary here is that it's just it's moved so quickly. Um, the Chinese government did not do a great job of like helping to stop this early on because they were just trying to hide it. So、yeah. th- there's there's a lot of stuff happening here because we don't quite know there. I don't believe there's a vaccine for、no. it yet, or at least there's not much you can do to help other than hope you don't get it. Like just avoid I mean, being near a lot of people. That's the thing is that like you're right that the flu is far more widespread, but also there's like a Bunch of other viral infections, including the、mm-hmm. one I have, that could <laughs> that could affect you.、And、my fear is that I mean, like, look, it, I don't think I'm going to get it. Knock on wood. Oh my god, I've just jinxed myself. But Dev, you were concerned that this might this might have an impact on your favorite show ever. Yeah, I mean, listen, we are we're already starting to think about、uh, Computex, our favorite. Well, your、show. favorite trade show, yeah, because it's in Taiwan <laughs> and we get to go hang out and eat great food and you know be in wonderful Taipei. Yeah,、uh, this could be a problem for that. I hope. I mean, honestly, not just for our trip, but I hope like we figure out a way to kind of squash this very soon because the longer it goes on,、mm. the yeah, the potential for a true pandemic is really going to grow, and that is terrifying to me. I suspect that the once the weather gets warmer all over the world, we might come out of it just gradually. But I don't know, and <laughs> and we don't have that much longer. We have like three ish months to go before Computex. So, <laughs> oh boy, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. In other news, there were some surprising、uh, media moves this week too. Spotify、mm. announced that it's buying The Ringer, 
which Ooh. is you know Bill Simmons Sports and Entertainment site. Mm-hmm. They've been very big on podcasts, so this actually is not super surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were one of the first major sites to really bank on the power of podcasts, and mm-hmm. it's worked out really well for them. The question is, um, I'm a little worried about so much of media being, at least so much of podcasting, being consolidated under Spotify. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on Spotify Hell if yeah. you're listening there right now. But it is it is kind of a scary thing. I, I do like the Wild West nature of podcasting. I do, but I understand, like, this is like the internet in the 90s. I've brought made this analogy quite a bit. It is hard to find things sometimes. There was no, like, great consolidated... Mm. Uh, search. I feel like uh, Pocket Cast has been doing, has been trying to do that. iTunes has been like the thing that's made podcasting so big. Mm. But I feel like Spotify is really trying to cement itself as like this new go-to source for a lot of like audio material. So I can't, I can't quite blame them for it. Um, and I'm glad like you know a media site like The Ringer has another way to survive. Any, any broader thoughts on this, Sherlyn? Like, how long until Spotify buys you? I, I mean, know. Spotify's already bought me. No, I'm kidding. Um, Spotify. <laughs> I know, yeah. All you listen to is podcasts on Spotify. And I'm like, get a real podcast client. Really. You mean Come Google on. Play podcasts? <laughs> I mean, Pocket Casts. Oh, stop. Something. I, have, I had that in Podbean for a while. But anyway, <laughs> um, Spotify also had like kind of a baller year, right? That like they've, yeah. they've now got 124 million paying users. So good on them. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that they're trying to own the content makers that they host or you know because before this they were negotiating exclusives and this seems like a kind of a natural evolution in that way i think though thinking of spotify as the owner of what i used to think of as a media outlet is a little odd it feels Mm -hmm. a little weird and speaking of weird owners and weird bedfellows for i guess media outlet type things cards against humanity bought clickhole that was Which the... is not a clickhole headline. It's not like a... it is. Yeah. It's real. I love Cards Against Humanity because the company, you know, the game. It, it is. It has become like kind of that tired party game of like, oh, <laughs> you're gonna, you're just gonna be say awful things, yep. and that's the joke. And I, I am kind of tired of playing that at parties. But as a company, they've done all sorts of cool stuff, and you know, this is this is kind of a cool thing. Like they took clickhole away from GL Media, yeah. which is kind of having all sorts of issues. Uh, and now Clickhole is going to be a majority employee-owned company, which is like a nice little collective thing. So they're they're not going to be dealing with like the crazy corporate, you know, parents that they have been for a while. I think that Clickhole fits in really well with Cards Against Humanity. I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're just going to like fund the media part of it. Like they're not expecting to. I don't know. Maybe we'll see a Clickhole game. I don't know. I would love to play a clickhole, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I would love something different than Cards Against Humanity proper. Jackbox. So I'm, yeah, Jackbox. I mean, Jackbox is fun, but yeah. a really awful Jackbox. Man, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, let's move on to what we're working on. Uh, just briefly, I'm working on a review of Mythic Quest for the Apple TV Plus service. Uh, it, this is the new follow up comedy series from the it's always sunny in philadelphia folks it's about game studio it's very like tech centric in a way that i think is kind of cool i will leave my full thoughts for it um maybe for the next episode i still need to see a few more things but i'll have a review up on friday so check that out it's also premiering on friday the day you're listening to this podcast it's premiering today go check it out if you have apple tv plus Sherlyn, what's up with you i'm working on a little known or very well-known bg song called huh? 
staying alive, staying alive, because I got to try wow. to stay alive. Way to keep those references timely, surely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I... Okay. Oh, good Lord. I should not well, have anyway. tried to sing. I've... <laughs> I, I technically have today off and um, our managers Aww. have forced me to take the rest of the week off because I'm quite literally dying. And I also fly off this weekend to San Francisco ahead of Samsung's Galaxy Unpacked event. So that's what I'm working on, trying to make it through all of that. That's good. Well, you know what, Sherlyn? I hope, uh, you know, before you leave this mortal <laughs> coil that you get to finish The Good Blaze. I already did. Because, oh, you did. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, that is my gadget pick for this week, and it is. Listen, the good place is a show. Oh. I have sold so many people on. Wasn't I feel like I was the one who really suggested you should watch. You might the good have. Place yeah, I because think it, was it good. is. Yeah, it is. Uh, first of all, it's a sitcom set in basically in the afterlife. Yes, but I'm not going to spoil anything. Like this show goes places. It ends up being a treatise on like moral philosophy yes. and the way we live and treat each other as human beings. It is funny. It's incredible. It's kind of heartwarming. Yes. It is exactly the thing that makes the world feel livable yes. in this current hellscape that we're in. So check it out. If you've, if you've you know, avoided it so far, if it looked cheesy or corny to you, it kind of is at the beginning. But I think you'll notice that a lot of that is definitely on purpose. So you can watch The Good Place on Hulu, on Netflix. You can catch up on the first three seasons. But it's worth getting Hulu to finish up everything. Also, one of the most perfect TV finales that I can ever think of. It's just so wonderfully poignant and moving How, and Did awesome. you cry? Yeah. I'm yeah, of course. I cry yeah. I sobbed throughout all of it and it, I mean I sobbed throughout most of season 4, which is yeah. the final season, but beautiful, such great there, there's so much great life philosophy in the show. And it's kind of weird that it's coming through the the form of a NBC sitcom, but I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because it's from Mike Schur and mm. anything Mike Schur makes is phenomenal. I'm talking Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He was involved in Parks and Rec. Like, if his name is attached to something, it is worth watching, and certainly when he's a co-creator. So, that's my pick. Everybody check it out if you want a bit of goodness in your life. Mine is a tag on to that, sort of. Um, I would like to recommend the Good Place podcast. Uh, if you've also watched, <laughs> it is very good. Yeah. It's a very, very good podcast. I mean, not only are you going to go for the behind the scenes content, the in jokes, all of the how all, everything came about, but you, you know, you love the characters, you love the actors. They'll be on each episode as along with all the writers and everything. I think that the Good Place podcast gives a lot of um, opportunity for people you don't usually hear from to talk as well. So you have head writers, you have casting agents, you have mm -hmm. just such a diverse array of yeah, voices. Set designers, yeah. like different different people. And it's hosted by Mark Evan Vaxen, who plays the evil the evil demon, Sean, in the series. Spoiler alert. Watch, spoiler alert. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> uh, if you watch uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he's also on that show. He is, he's a wonderful actor, but he's a really great podcast host too because he has this great soothing voice and he is so deeply in love with the show yeah. i love the show so much like it, it is created so many like new stars too like darcy Carden, i she's think amazing. is a treasure she's amazing manny jacinto come on he's he incredible is, he's incredible everyone's just so good so good people coming kind of out of nowhere and i hope only good things uh you know come to everybody involved with the show man so or william jackson yeah. harper i william, want him in more things i saw incredible. him in midsummer yeah uh did not work out so well for william jackson oh, harper no. in midsummer. <laughs> but 
That's a good movie. Yeah. So if you're if you're you know suffering from good place withdrawal like I am, there's the podcast. There's also this other thing that I've been doing to cheer myself up is to go to the Good Place um, YouTube channel and just watch mm-hmm. all of their digital exclusive content. There's just the bloopers s- are so good. Bloopers yeah. are incredible. The um the there's a whole other web series focusing on just the demons. If you want to watch that too, so much <laughs> so much Good Place stuff that you could do. Yeah, Good Place themed and gadget picks this week. All right. That's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra rambling online at... At Devendra on Twitter, and I'm chatting about movies and TV at SlashFilm.com at the SlashFilmcast there. If you want to shower me with tender loving care i'm at sherlyn low on twitter email us any feedback at podcastedinggadget.com leave us a review on itunes please and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts including spotify and then come back next week for a brand new episode <laughs>